Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am with my new friend, Joseph, who I met through Praise Writers, which I think I've talked about on this podcast before. It is a writing group, mentor group for Catholic writers, and it has been such a blessing in my life. And um, Joseph is another wonderful person that I'm getting to meet through this. And he reached out and let me know that he has a saint story. And I, more than anything, I just am so excited that the Lord continues us on this journey, knowing that this happens. This, this happens all the time. The saints are interceding for us and people all around the world have stories of when this has happened to them. So if you're listening um, and this, you don't feel like this has happened to you yet, just, I would encourage you to start paying attention to things that come up over and over again, things that soften your heart over and over again. And I really think you'll find that there's probably more than one saint interceding for you right now. So Joseph, please let us know about yourself. We actually, we're hitting record early because as I was talking to Joseph, I was like, you know what? Everybody needs to hear his encouraging words and his story. Um, so Joseph, take it away. I'd love for you to tell us, tell us about yourself. Well, Kate, thank you so much for having me. I, I really love your ministry here. And, and as you let in, um, in my life, I've come to find out. It's funny when we look at life back through the lens of our faith and say, Hmm. Okay. Now I put that dot together and that dot together. It's it's interesting. And I started in my life. I've been blessed and or I like to tell people that I'm a little slow on the uptake and the Lord's got to hit me a couple times with things. <laughs> so He sends a number of things my way uh, multiple times. And the saints have definitely been in that category where I've seen things that have been, again, that could only be from God. You know, um, that I won't. This is not the saint for today, but you know, my wife and I were buying a house and, and took a big leap of faith. And we, the house was on a street named St. Julian. And I had never had a connection with a St. Julian in my entire life, other than my father-in-law's name was Julian. And um, we had a real test of faith about closing on this thing. And I prayed about it and we decided to do it. And out of the blue, our mortgage company calls back and says, hey, if we don't close by X date, you're going to have to get reapproved. And, and, and so can you talk to your seller? So I'm like, I go to the seller. Can we close on this date? Sure. No problem. So I'm sitting in mass and I'm like, I wonder whose feast day is that day. And I look it up and sure enough, on the feast of St. Julian, we bought a house on St. Julian. <laughs> wow. I mean, you just, the, the number of things that would have to happen for that to line up. Unexplainable. Totally unexplainable. You yeah. Know? And uh, in a book that I've written and God willing will be published soon, you know, I've, I've tell some of these stories as well, but it's, it's amazing how they've, they've come into our lives, you know? So about me, I guess a little context, right? So I am a quote unquote cradle Catholic, but did not make the faith my own until I was about 30. And so I've been blessed to be, you know, trying to live the faith for the last 26 years, we'll say. And uh, in that time, God has blessed me with a wonderful wife. Uh, we've been married for 32 years. And we have uh, seven children with us, two with the Lord. 
uh, four grandchildren and uh, a handful of godchildren. So oh my. those things have been great blessings in our life. Yes. Um, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in uh, Detroit, um, you know, in a, I'll call it a working class family. And that's where I grew up and uh, I've lived in Michigan my whole life, but I've traveled extensively throughout the country and, and, uh, and have seen a lot of, a lot of my time. Um, professionally, um, I'm actually, I own a couple of businesses and um, I work with entrepreneurs and I provide them with strategic consulting services or fractional executive services, or third, I also help them raise capital. And um, I have, I'll call it a secular version of that. And I also have a Catholic version of that for Catholic business owners, where I genuinely try and integrate prayer into that process and spiritual discernment in that process as well. And um, it's kind of aspirational where that's going to start and go. Um, I mentioned that I'm a writer. Um, I, I've, I've loved to write my whole life. And have done a ton of it in business, but I've never actually written a book until last year. Um, and there's other saint stories that are involved with that. Um, for for years, I was following the writings of Saint Jose Maria Escriva. They just seemed to speak to me, and particularly about his focus of our path to sainthood. For those of us that are not priests or religious, is in our vocation. It's in our job. It's in it's it's in where we're called to be. And that kept resonating with me. And um, last year in mass, January, I got a little message that, hey, write a book, how to become a saint while succeeding in business. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hadn't thought of that. And it was like, so I prayed about it for a couple of weeks and um, um, Super Bowl Sunday, I said, I'm going to do this. And I started to write. I didn't get very far in the story because I guess swept up watching our Catholic kicker, Harrison Butker, win the Super Bowl. But I at least put pen to paper and I said, I'm going to do this, right? Next morning, next morning, I woke up and I hadn't even had two sips of coffee. And there was the devil next to me sitting there going, what are you doing? You can't write a book. This is stupid. You've never written a book before. You're going to fail. I mean, just this deluge of negative stuff. I literally remember swatting like like my hand, like, like, like a fly, like get away, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I opened up my morning. My computer and part of my morning ritual is I read from a feed of St. Jose Maria Scriba's writings. It's curated in just a couple paragraphs. That morning, the first three lines said, you wonder how many business people became saints in Christianity. You wonder if it's still possible today. God will not abandon you in your pursuit. <laughs> oh my I said, goodness. I said, clear message. <laughs> I'm writing a book. Absolutely clear. <laughs> you know, clear. and so... Yep. Um, the book is called How to Become a Saint by Succeeding in Business, and uh, it has many, many saint stories in it, okay, both my own, but also importantly to share with people how the saints, not only lay people, but how religious saints were very entrepreneurial. <laughs> I mean, just did some remarkable things, you know, that, that just you just incredibly any business leader or founder would be like wow that's cool <laughs> you know yes, it's amazing yes. what they did so we can learn from them so there's a lot of that a lot of those stories tucked into that as well you know so i've got that kind of in the works with some publishers and you know my first book and that led me to praise writers which you mentioned earlier and i've been just so blessed to you know get to know claire and 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 mike and uh yes um, and then and patrick patrick O'Hernan as well it's been it's been a blessing so um Great conversations going on there with with some things we're working on, and then um, uh, outside of that, uh, I, I've been 
I've always been kind of active in my community and different things, and particularly in the faith, if you will, or things that touch the faith. And so I currently sit on the board of a Catholic credit union in Michigan, um, which has been a blessing to kind of serve and integrate that in a voluntary way. And then near and dear to our story today is I'm also the co-founder of an apostolate, a Eucharistic apostolate called Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. And um, that's, uh, it's going to be part of our story today. It's amazing. So I, as I was sharing earlier, I am a convert. So for those of us that might not know the word apostolate and really understand what that means, will you tell us sure. what mean exactly? It's a great question, you know, and, and, and people think of the word apostle in, the, in their mind, they limit it to the 12 apostles, right? right. And, and so um, the word apostolate applies both to an organization or a person, okay? St. Jose Maria Escriva, for example, is famous for telling people, your apostolate, your life is an apostolate because you are a witness, okay, or you should be, okay? So an apostolate is the act of, you know, evangelizing and bringing, you know, the gospel or the faith to people, and it could be through an official organization or it could be through your own life, you know? And I think that's a very important distinction there that that St. Jose Maria Maria makes, and and I love that, you know, it's like, and of course, it grounds us back to the apostles, you know. And uh, so that's what's the word apostolate. The equivalent outside of Catholicism and Christianity would be ministry, right? You know, it's a ministry, right? You know, whether it's your personal ministry or an organization, but the word you know apostolate really calls upon that apostolic heritage as well. That's beautiful. That synonym relationship helps a lot. Thank you for that. So a ministry. Okay, that makes sense. Excellent. So um, before I get into my saint story, too, um, there's a little preface story. Okay. And um, again, when we look back and we we, we connect dots that we don't see necessarily as they're happening. Right. And this is a classic story of that. So after coming to my faith or kind of really making my faith my own. I was blessed to be with a group of people, a wonderful holy priest and some folks um, that introduced me to what's called true devotion to Mary or total consecration to Mary, um, which is a concept created by a a wonderful saint, St. Louis de Montfort. And, you know, in this process, one consecrates your life to Mary to consecrate it more perfectly to Jesus. And the real simple synthesis is if Jesus chose to come to us through Mary, us coming back to Jesus through Mary is just following his lead. <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of it. Right. And there's so much more to it that, you know, beyond this. But so when they initially told me this, they my friends said, Hey, have you ever heard of this? And I, I, I immediately, my knees went weak when I heard the words total consecration. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, I don't know about that, you know, <laughs> but they said, well, here, read this book. So I started reading true devotion to Mary and I got about a third of the way through it. And I was like, that's it. I'm doing this. So my friends and I, we started talking about planning for it. And it's a really interesting process because a 33-day process that you go through of prayer and discernment about your life and spirituality. So it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to do for your life as a whole, even just for that process. So as we began to prepare for this, we set uh, the Feast of the Assumption to be the date which we would do our consecration. And as we started to prepare for this, one of the first things that caught me in the, in, in the introduction of the book was De Montfort says, do not do this and seek consolations or spiritual experiences. You're not doing this for you. You're doing this to honor God and Our Lady. 
And it was like, at that point in my life, having kind of really come back to the faith, I was living on a lot of different constellations often, you know, and so I was used to seeking them, if you will, right? And so I was like, ooh, that's going to be tough. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but I'm going to do that. That's going to be my my offering to Mary and to Jesus is I'm not going to seek consolation. I'm just going to do this and follow it to the best of my ability. So we get to the day of consecration and they go through the process of going to confession and we go to mass. And then we go outside to this beautiful grotto, beautiful church in Detroit called Assumption Grotto. And we read our consecration to Mary out there. And no stars and stripes, no, no, no big emotional experiences, just a feeling of comfort and peace. I'm like, Perfect. Great. That's what I, that's what I planned for. That's what we did. So we sit down and have some lunch and it's a gorgeous day. And my friend said, Hey, they're going to do benediction outside at, at three today. You, you want to do that, Joe? I'm like, I don't know what benediction is. And, you know, for those that might be listening, that have never heard that term. Benediction is kind of a word means blessing. But in the case of Catholics, benediction means being blessed with the Eucharist, where the priest is going to hold a monstrance up and go through a certain series of prayers and you're going to be blessed by the Eucharistic presence of Jesus. So I had never experienced that before. So I didn't know what to, I didn't know what was going to happen. So we go out to the grotto and the three of us are sitting, I'm in the middle of my two friends. And as the priest is walking, blessing people, he comes up to us. There's nobody else around us, 10 feet on the other side. We prostrate down as he comes before us and he stands right in front of us and he blesses us with the monstrance. As he's doing this, out of nowhere in my head, I just pray. Lord, if I could but touch the hem of your garment, I know I'd be healed. And as soon as it comes out, I'm pondering, where did that come from? And before I could ponder too long, the priest pivots and he raises his hands up over my head. And the vestment that he holds the monstrance with is called the humeral. And the humeral drapes over the top of my head. Oh, wow. And uh, it was like I could feel the presence of God like never before and never since. It was just, it was a moment. Yeah. Now, in my pride, my prideful human nature, I said, oh, look, Mary's given me an attaboy because <laughs> I was such a good boy and I didn't do this, you know. That's right. That's right. And, 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 you know, she's given me an attaboy, right? You know, and so I just chalked it up to a little consolation. It wasn't until years later that I realized it wasn't a consolation. She was telling me where she was going to take me. Mm-hmm. She was telling me where the fulfillment of total consecration was. And that's in her son in the Eucharist. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it took me, you know, so fast forward a couple of years, um, the same priest that I had mentioned earlier, um, he and I were talking in the hallway at church and, and he, he looked at me, he says, Joe, he says, have you ever had a, there's a priest who had devotion to Mary and devotion to the Eucharist go astray? I'm like, no father. And he just smiles and nods his head and walks off. And I was like, oh, that was odd. But I also knew Father well enough to know that if he said it, there was a reason for it. Something prompted that in him, you know. So not long after that, I'm walking through a Catholic store in in Michigan. And um, I don't even know why I was there to this day. I've completely forgotten. And as I'm walking in on the left side, there's books and then there's racks and racks and racks of prayer cards. God knows how many of them there are, right? And uh, eye level, I see this prayer card that has an image of Our Lady holding the baby Jesus. And the baby Jesus is holding a monstrance. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And I pick it up and I, I turn it over. And the prayer card is titled, Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. 
And I'm immediately called back to my conversation with Father. I'm like, Our Lady in the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. Right, right. So I grab a stack of these cards. I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm on my way to, to check out. Again, I forgot even why I was there. But <laughs> now I've got my treasure and off I'm going. Well, on the right side of this door is all the rosaries and chaplets. Again, I level just before the counter. There's this beautiful red chaplet. I pick it up. I'm like, what is this? And it's called the Blessed Sacrament Chaplet. And I thought, well, that's cool. And as I'm looking at it, I'm like, ah, but, you know, I'm praying the rosary and divine mercy. I, I don't have time to, where am I going to put this in my life? And I put it away. I walk off. I'm not two steps away. And I, I just feel this tug, like, no, buy it. So I go back and I buy it. I get home and I get on the internet and I'm like, where did this stuff come from? So I start researching the chaplet first and find out that it was created by an order called the Blessed Sacrament Fathers. Yeah. And over a hundred years ago. And that order was founded by a priest named St. Peter Julian Amard, who is dubbed the Apostle of the Eucharist. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. But then there's I find the con- Julian again. <laughs> there's right, right. Then I, but then I find the ultimate connection. I find out that he's the one that gave Our Lady the title, Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Wow. And when he when he was canonized, that title was approved for her at the time of his canonization. Okay. So here I walk into the store, never having heard of Our yeah. Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament, St. Peter Julian, or the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. <laughs> Amazing. So I share this with my wife, and, and, and my wife says, wow, maybe we should make these chaplets. And I'm like, what? No, we don't have time for that. My wife, homeschooling her kids, I got all, all kinds of things going on. It's like, no, we don't have time for that. But I keep researching. And as I'm researching, we find this other website where this woman made a blessed sacrament chaplet and it was very different than the one i bought and it was it was like it intrigued me so we bought the chaplet we get it home and it had an antique metal on it and on the back it had the date of one of our daughter's birthdays it's like oh look at that that's kind of cool you know (laughs) so we're looking at it we're like you know what we can actually and pardon me for those of you who don't see this but i'm sharing and showing what this looks like for kate we're like we can actually use this as a model on how to make the chaplets. And so we looked at it and said, let's do this. Okay. So we, we started to think about making just, just for friends and family. So I go back online and I go to thank the, the site where I got this from. And underneath the picture of the chaplet, it says, soul, thank you, Joseph. We will never make another one like this. We only make one of a kind items. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we're like, wow, if that's not a sign that we should maybe make these chaplets, I don't know what yes. is, you know? So as we keep researching, and I keep researching about St. Peter and all these things, we find a site where this person had made a medal that on one side had Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament, and on the other side it had St. Peter Julian holding the monstrance. We're like, oh, oh my, my gosh. You know? So I go back to the, the priest who started all this, and I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. I, I think maybe we were supposed to start an apostolate me, but I have no idea how to do this. So he introduces me to this wonderful woman in my parish, uh, her name is Barb Middleton, who was running an apostolate called Holy Trinity Apostolate that was founded by servant of God, uh, Father John Harden. And and <laughs> I kind of, you know, tipped my toe in the water. So I said to Barb, hey, you know, this way I got going on. We think maybe we want to start an apostolate, maybe something, you know, but I don't know for sure if they'll pray in about it. And she says, oh, great. Why don't you come speak at my conference and you can talk all about St. Peter, Julian, the chaplet, and the whole lot in your apostolate. And I'm like, well, I haven't even started the apostolate yet. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I better start. <laughs> you know, right? So as we're praying about this and discerning this, then 
St. Pope John Paul declared the coming year the year of the Eucharist. And we're like, okay, that's it. (laughs) We have to start this, right? And so the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, to better explain it, um, is simple and profound at the same time. Um, On the centerpiece medal, you pray and you make a spiritual communion, which means that you get to spiritually receive the Eucharist as often as you pray this chaplet. It's one of the most beautiful practices you could ever imagine. And there's no better way to stay connected to God than to receive him spiritually as often as you can. And um, so in in the, the prayer that we pray, we actually wrote our own spiritual communion, borrowing from um, a prayer that the angel gave to the children at Fatima when, when they appeared. At one point, the angel of Fatima came to the children and he suspended the Eucharist in the air and he taught them this prayer. And part of the prayer that he taught them was to address the Eucharist as almost holy trinity. My God, my God, I love thee in the most blessed sacrament. And so we took that and then added, come spiritually into my heart and make it thine own forever. And that 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 purposeful choice was to help combat against, I'll call it the minimalization of the Eucharist to just a sign. Okay. If we work backwards and we say, well, it's not just a sign, it is Jesus. And if it's not just Jesus, it's his actual body, blood, soul, and divinity. Well, Jesus is part of the Trinity. So if Jesus is there, the Father and the Holy Spirit also have to be there. So when we bring it back up to that level and we address the Eucharist as own most holy Trinity, we can't reduce it to just a sign (laughs) Mm because it's God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're present, wanting to come into us and be with us. So once you pray that and you've received our Lord spiritually, we tell people then you adore the presence within you by praying. There's 33 beads in the chaplet, okay? And in each bead, you pray a very simple prayer, Jesus and the most blessed sacrament, have mercy on us. And this was the prayer that was written with the chaplet. And this was this whole chaplet was approved by Pope St. Pius X. And that prayer, literally, you can pray those 33 beads, and I've timed it, in two minutes, reverently. Okay, you know, it, wow. it, this is so nobody can say I don't have time for this. Right, now, everyone's right. got two minutes. I guarantee you'll spend more than two minutes scrolling on something stupid today on the internet, right? No. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so we started. We 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 went to this conference. I spoke on the Eucharist, and I spoke on Saint Peter Julian. And I'm a public speaker. I've done it my whole life, but I've never been more nervous. <laughs> I was so, it really vocally took me a while to get my presence on stage, you know? Yes. And, you know, the MC for the event was Raymond Arroyo from EWTN. And it was like, who is Joe Valentic to be on the stage with these people? You know, it was just, it was, it was just, it was, it was literally surreal, you know? So, um, so we, we talk about this and we made 700 chaplets with friends and family for that event. Okay. Which was kind of a beautiful piece of the apostolate in and of itself to get people together to do this. We sold all 700 chaplets that day. It was just unbelievable, you know? So that was 19 years ago that started Our Lady the Most Blessed Sacrament Apostolate. And we chose that name on purpose. And it was funny because even good faithful Catholics said, oh, that's a mouthful. That's too long of a name. You can't have long of a name. It's like, no, we have to. (laughs) Because she is instrumental in bringing us the Eucharist. Okay, she gave us the actual physical body and blood. (laughs) It is part of her. And God chose to work through her to bring his son into the world. And he still does today. And so we had to keep that title, but not just the title, 
part of our mission is to help people to come to pray to her under that title, to yes. help really get to know our Lord in the Eucharist, right? And St. Peter Julian, in one of his books called The Real Presence, used to wrote, you will not find any better writing on the Eucharist anywhere in the world. His writings on the Eucharist are just profound. And the, the real presence, um, he he talks about back in the 1800s, how good Catholics did not love our Lord in the Eucharist. And he said, because they don't know him. Why don't they know him? Because they're not spending time with him. Mm-hmm. You can't get to know somebody you don't spend time with. Not a, not a friend, not a family member, not a coworker. You cannot. The only way to know somebody is to spend time with them. And so this chaplet, spending time, you know, the other beautiful thing about this too is, again, you pray it reverently two minutes, but if you're in an adoration scenario, you can just pray it reverently and meditationally, Jesus, the most blessed sacrament, have mercy on us, you know? And, 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 And beautifully, while I pray the rosary every day as well, the rosary is a little different. And this prayer, because the prayers are so short, also has a unique opportunity where I can offer each specific bead for somebody or something because it's really short. Jesus, the most blessed sacrament, have mercy on Kate. Jesus, the most blessed sacrament, have mercy on my daughter, right? So you're calling on, you know, it's, it's, just, and it's just a beautiful, powerful way to invoke that and connect those things together, right? So St. Peter Julian, um, uh, I took him as my spiritual father years ago and uh, he has interceded in my life in so many ways <laughs> and uh, uh, has also been very patient with me too. <laughs> so um, we had, uh, prior to COVID, uh, that the conference we went to was, that was, was stopped. And then during COVID, there was no conferences. And so we kind of put the apostolate on a shelf and, and I, but I, I kept praying about it. I'm like, Lord, I know there's a reason that you, you know, want us to do this. Um, and, and I felt like it would be something more than just a little family apostolate. Because that's really what we did is this is our little way of giving back over the years. So we went to one conference a year, maybe two, and just had a table. And that's that's what we did. You know, it was great. It was manageable and it was us. But I always felt like there was going to be something more, you know. And so as the church in, in the United States began to talk about the Eucharistic revival, and set up the Eucharistic Congress. Me and others around us, and one of my board members prayed about this. We're like, it's time. We need to bring this apostolate back, and we need to bring it back on a full-scale basis, not just a little local. You know, so uh, ask your listeners to please keep us in prayer because this is obviously uh, a significant undertaking. Um, <clears throat> while I'm leading the focus, and I will run the operational elements of it initially, I also have a business right. <laughs> and other things I'm doing. Right. So. I'm continually praying about how to balance those things in those time. But simultaneously, the blessing is, is 20 years ago, I couldn't have done this because what I've learned now about running businesses for 25 years is now helping me to accelerate the process of what I can do here, as True. well as to out, as well as to outsource pieces to different Catholic resources that can help. Yep. So it, it's, it's, you know, so it's, it's fascinating how, before I wasn't ready, I couldn't have done this before. I couldn't even right. hope to do this. But now knowing what I know in business and being able to outsource things, now all of a sudden we can realistically do this. And so um, I'm very, very happy to say that we've also been approved to be one of the vendors for the Eucharistic Congress. Oh. And, um, you know, um, so I, th- I think it's 
very providential that we started at a conference and we're going to relaunch at a conference. I love that. I love <laughs> you know, that. You know, it's just the, the 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 synergy of how God works and you know these these cycles. You know, and uh, so yeah, so those are in uh, in so for the apostolate, we kind of really have three mission elements, but the real vision is to help bring about the Eucharistic reign of Jesus. Okay. And what do I mean by reign of Jesus? Well, he's our king. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the king and the king is present here in the Eucharist. Okay. And as St. Peter Julian says, until the church brings about the reign of Jesus in the Eucharist, the church will not be restored to her full glory. Yeah. That's St. Peter Julian. Okay. Now he prophesied, he saw this coming over 150 years ago, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and so now is the time. And I tell people, one of my favorite phrases this is from the old Testament for such a time as this, Yeah, we need to bring out devotion to our lady under this title, our lady, the most blessed sacrament, because she is the one that's going to help us connect back to the Eucharist again as a church and help shepherd this process. And then part two, I'm also a very practical, a tactical person. So how do we practically solve the problem? Well, if people don't know Jesus in the Eucharist, we have to teach them. <laughs> so we have to share good catechesis about what yes. and who is there. And then we also need to give them practical ways to connect yes. the Blessed Sacrament Chaplet. And in God's genius, again, this is a two-minute devotion, and yet it's connecting you to the source and the summit of your life. <laughs> right? You know, and so... That's kind of the other message here that, that we're trying to, the a phrase that keeps coming back to us as, as in the work that we're doing is, you know, the catechism says the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our life. And, and I humbly but audaciously, I've added a third word. I've added a word in the middle. It is the source, the love, and the summit of our life, or so it should be, <laughs> right? The source and summit is the beginning and the end. Well, what's in the middle? The middle is the love. We have to love our Lord in the Eucharist, right? And so it's been powerful to see uh, so many different things connecting as we're relaunching this. And um, again, God's providence and the timing and all these pieces, <laughs> you know, it's yes. been amazing. As I was, um, you know, really learning more and more about the Catholic Church in my early 20s, um, before I realized I was um, eventually going to become Catholic, when I was just still debating with my Catholic friends, um, I'll never forget my my now husband. He said, we were talking about Our Lady and we were talking about, um, you know, I was just arguing with him about her significance, which is now embarrassing to me. Now that kind of hurts my heart. It does hurt my heart that I even question that. But I'll never forget, he said, look, when you think about Mary, just know that if she was standing here with us, the first thing she would do would be to point you to her son. That would be the first thing. Everything that she does is to point you back to Christ. And that took me aback because here was someone who I thought for sure was going to be argumentative with me and, and tell me how I was wrong about Mary's place in the church. And there he was saying, no. You have to understand her role, her beauty is that she points you back to Christ over and over again. She walks you to the foot of the cross. 
And that has stuck with me. That was really one of those things that because I was raised Protestant, there was just so much history that I didn't know. And I love what you said about catechizing people, because I think when you are raised Catholic, sometimes you forget that those of us that were raised Protestant, it is not out of a rebellion or a protesting spirit. It is because now we've lost generations of history and knowledge and love for what the church is. And so Mm -hmm. I was so blessed to have two people in my life that were so gentle with me and really Mm. walked me through really understanding the history and unraveling what I, what I was taught incorrectly. And, and that slow pace of just letting the Holy spirit do what he needed to do in me and then taking my questions as they came. And the more I learned about our lady, the more I fell in love with her and realized, yeah, she is pointing you back, pointing you back. And I love what you said about the 33-day consecration. Um, So my experience with that was my youngest son, who's now six, he was um, not quite a year. And I was determined. I was going to do this. I was going to consecrate myself. I had fallen more and more in love with Our Lady um, specifically under her title of, um, undoer of knots. Mm. So I was traveling from Arizona at the time to Texas, 22 hour car trip. My husband was overseas on work. I've got the five kids. I'm going to do this right. Five kids and an infant. And I'm like, I, you know, halfway through the trip, I'm like, I'm crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this, but we get to my parents' house. It is the last day of the consecration. And I'm I'm going to do this. And then suddenly my littlest one just gets a tummy bug. And I remember it was about 11 o'clock at night. And I remembered, oh my goodness, I'm going to do my last day of the consecration. And here he goes again, just tummy bug. You know, my mom's helping me. We're cleaning everything up. And I just, at that moment, I felt this absolute urgency that something was against me finning, finishing this consecration right. and that right. I was going to do it. Even if it meant while he was getting sick on me, I was going to finish this consecration. And I remember, you know, I had the book. I did the last prayer. All of a sudden, Sebastian's fever was gone. Was <laughs> I love fine. it. Acted Love like nothing it. had happened. You know, my mom and I are exhausted. We're doing like our eighth load of laundry. We're like, <laughs> and all he's fine. Next day, woke up, no fever. It's like nothing had ever happened. But that for me, it was, it was one of those moments in your life when you realize that when the Lord has laid something in front of you and it is His will and His goodness, there there might be things that come alongside you that try and stop you. Certainly, and keep walking through it because his timing and his glory will prevail. And when you keep walking in that obedience, no matter what comes and no matter what discouragement, you know, whether it be COVID putting the apostolate on the shelf for a while, or, um, you know, a little one having a tummy bug, march through it because he's with you. And there are beautiful things on the other side of that. Um, his timing is something we can never understand. Yep. And um, 
it'll probably be funny what to look back and realize, oh, I see, I I see exactly what you were doing. It's amazing in reflection too. And uh, that same priest one time said to me, he said, you know, there's a there's a saying that says, if you're not running into the devil once in a while, you better stop and make sure you're not running with him. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, and, and if, if I could provide one word of consolation to you as well, it came to me about feel no guilt about your past relationship with Mary, because it's through you intentionally getting to know her that you become a better witness for her. Okay, so when I came into the when I came back to the church. I started teaching RCA. The very first class the priest asked me to teach was on Mary. And I said, Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready to do that, Father. And he said, Yes, you are. Now, six months earlier, I had been to this mountaintop experience with some buddies of mine that were outside the church, they're good Protestant friends. And 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 that and it was that that event that I, I actually said, God, you got me. I, I, whatever you want, I'll do, right? So, but I had questions. Why did I do that? Why, 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 you know? And so they were filling me with different information over time about their thoughts. And of course, there was questions about Mary that kept raising in my head and blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, you know, all of a sudden I get to this point in the first class I teach is Mary. And um, the whole class, I prayed heavily about it. The whole class it was like, I felt like nobody was getting anything. I felt like it was just nothing was registering everyone's head. And 30 seconds before the class ended, all of a sudden, I see everyone's head nodding in the room. and Everyone's like absorbing it. I'm like, well, what happened? And I'm like, well, okay, you know, Lord, could you make it a little easier on me? And, and, and the interior answer I got was, it wasn't about you. It was about my mother. <laughs> right? But then, then after that began the real awakening for me. Because my friends lovingly had shared all their thoughts about different things outside the church. And I was forced to learn and think about and evaluate. And the Holy Spirit took me through learning all these things, through this great priest and through all these different places. Now in RCAA, when I'm dealing with adult converts, when I, at the time, I could walk with them and I could say, I know why you're thinking that. And here's how I thought about that. And here's how I got through that. And here's how this came from that. And here's this, right? And so it's, it's again, you said it earlier in the call, you know, it's amazing how God puts these things together, you know, and, and prepares us for, for our journey, right? So, you know, whether it's C.S. Lewis staying outside the church for a while so people could have that point of entry, or you having this very personal experience where you go from major doubts, concerns, anxieties to a great love for Our Lady, um, there can be no love deeper than one that you fought for. <laughs> so I would I would never feel a hinge of doubt or sadness again in your life. Um, I think that um, this is this was part of your journey, you know, and uh, the lady's loving it. I really appreciate that. I I do. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I. I can remember, um, and I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but when I converted, I can remember standing at the back of the church um, before I walked down to receive my first communion. Oh, man. And I just remember standing there. I had taken the Blessed Lady as, as my patron saint, and um, and I remember standing there saying, Mary, you're going to have to help me because I don't get it. I don't get you. but 
for thousands of years, people wiser and holy, beautiful people have, have loved you and understood you in a very special way. And so you're just going to have to help me. (laughs) And then off I went, you know, that was, she was really my last, my last hurdle of understanding (laughs) of coming into the church. And it's so interesting because now she's, you know, my first friend when I think about the church. And so it's like, (laughs) how did that happen? You know, and what she, in spite of all that, what she's done her intercession for me and the healing that's happened in my life is it's so sweet. She is, she is a gift giver. (laughs) She really is, which makes sense. You look at her life and it's like her entire life is a gift. Her entire life was a gift to God. Yes, it was. We do that in return, you know? I agree with you. That's beautiful, Kate. That's beautiful. Oh my goodness. Well, Thank you. Thank you for this story. I, I've i never heard of St. Peter Julian, and I love learning of new saints, and I love the connection of the name Julian, how the Lord just continued to prepare your heart through your whole life, you know, starting probably with your father-in-law of, I'm going to introduce, I'm going to keep introducing you to Julians, you know? So a little side note there. Um, I think I'm now up to six Julians. Um, oh. um, <laughs> years ago when I was praying about a new journey in my life, I made a decision to join a business and I went back home and I'm like, whose feast day is it today? And it was a different St. Julian and a different St. Julian. So I had three, I had three St. Julians for a while that I was like, Oh my gosh, you know? So then um, um, when I was writing the book and I was talking about St. Julian, something nudged me. I said, wonder whose feast day was on Super Bowl Sunday. I look it up, and it was another Saint Julian, totally different. <laughs> I'm like, "Are you got to be kidding me?" <laughs> you know. Um, and then there was then then there was another one that led me to a Saint, another Saint Julian, the Hospitaller, he was called, um, and he had remarkable uh, story. And it was like so. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got all these Julians in my life, and I've never sought one out in my entire life. Right? It's crazy. I love it. When I hear stories like that, I just think of all, you know, it's like the Julian meeting in heaven and they're all high-fiving each other. They're like, hey, we introduced ourselves to somebody else. I love that. I love that. I love that. You know, uh, if I could, one of the spiritual practices I've adopted is I I actually have uh, a daily personal litany of the saints that have touched my life. So, and I ask each of them to pray for me in the way they came into my life. Okay. So this saint for my family, this saint for my writing, you know, this saint for this apostolate, this saint for that. Right. And so, um, and then, and that list is expanding still. So it's kind of like, you know, I I don't always get to the whole list every day because there's been so many encounters, but to me, I've also found tremendous graces in that, you know, Um, you know, I have, I've had on there my list for St. Francis de Sales to intercede for my writing and my books. Right. And um, on his feast day recently, I was contacted by one of the most amazing publishing names in the Catholic world and said, we'd like to review your full manuscript. Now, I don't know where it's going to go, but it was like on his feast day. (laughs) You know, it was like interesting, you know, it was like. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And when and it, it just goes back to I love how you've been looking up which feast day 
uh, these things occurred because someone's intercession out there is is changing you and that it, and you are paying enough attention to realize what's happening it's not just random it's not just this event that's happening it's i mean of course it's beautiful and it's to god's glory but there's even more happening there is a saint interceding for you and that's that's what i hope we all start to do is we all start to pay attention to well, and the beautiful hope. thing is in, in a world where so many people suffer from loneliness right yeah yes one of the revelation one of the revelations that hit me last year while I was praying my litany was to just stop and pause for a minute. There is this army of martyrs and saints that are outside of time with their sole job is to do the will of God and to be at the call of our lady to serve. And so if we pause, we are never alone. We have an army around us of angels and saints, okay, that are there for us. And so stopping that's given me personally great consolation in, in challenging times, <laughs> yes. you know, um, you know, and, and so um, I, you know, it, it, I can't recommend enough contemplating that reality. You know, again, how do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the only way it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That is exciting. Well, hey, could I do could I do one plug for the apostolate to help? I was actually the, going to ask you to yeah. tell us tell us about yeah. it. Tell tell our listeners how um, if they want more information on the apostolate, how to find the chaplet. Please let us know how to do that. Awesome. So uh, we are a nonprofit, um, um, and at this time, because we're restarting, we're just starting to build our chaplet inventory. So we, we've built a website to tell people all about the mission and about where we're going. And the URL for that is www.olmbsa.org. Those are the initials of Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament Apostolate. So olmbsa.org. Perfect. And um, that'll give you everything about us and what we're doing and also opportunities to donate. We definitely need donations to build the chaplet inventory up and to prepare for uh, you know, the things we're going to be doing at the conference. Um, and uh, um, but, you know, and it's funny, it's, there were challenges as to us not even being at the conference that prayed to Our Lady about, and it was just out of, out of the blue, boom, you're approved, you're going. It was just, it, it's, it's, it's very much, you know, that, and by the way, for people who don't know the Eucharistic Congress, we have not had a Eucharistic Congress in this country in 83 years, yeah. 83 years. This is a once in a generation event so right. if you can get there in in the apples in the apples it's five days <laughs> so you know you don't have to be there for the whole thing you know and um you know um highly recommend you know taking this experience uh make a pilgrimage on the national eucharistic congress website i don't know the exact url for that they actually have pilgrimage maps that they've set up for people to take pilgrimages to get there <laughs> and so it. it's 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 really cool. Oh, I love it. Pilgrimages are near and dear to my heart. So that I'm going to have to look at that. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to put all of that information in our show notes. That way, all of our listeners can find the apostolate, find the information on the chaplet. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for, for your work. 
on this and for all that you're doing to really forward the knowledge and love of Our Lady. Could I, if you don't mind, could I close with a prayer to Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament? Yes, please. That would be great. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. And this is this is the prayer card that started it all. Virgin Immaculate, Mother of Jesus, and our Mother, we invoke you under the title of Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament because you are the Mother of the Savior who lives in the Eucharist. It was from you he took the flesh and blood which he feeds us in the sacred host. We also invoke you under that title because the grace of the Eucharist comes to us through you, since you are the mediatrix, the channel through which God's graces reach us. Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament, pray for us. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Joseph. Thank you for everything you're doing. No, thank you. This has really been a joy and a blessing to be with you. And <laughs> I'll be praying for your ministry. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for Tripping Over the Saints. I hope you enjoyed meeting our new friend, and I cannot wait to introduce you to more new friends. If you would like to become a patron of this podcast, we would love for you to join in at Patreon. The donations you make go directly to cover the hosting technical support and donations we make to our speakers and podcasters and missionaries that come on the show to introduce us to someone new. Have a great day, and I cannot wait to talk to you again.